admit or face just how dark of a place humanity has come to. And, and to, to do, do so, so means that the certain influences in the world must be acknowledged. Hello, hello. Welcome to the End Evil Podcast. This is Chris Jansen. Evil is the destruction of freedom. Glad you could make it. Thanks for joining me. This week I have a special guest with me, and we're going to have a great conversation. Joining with me today is Joanna Whitney. Thanks so much for joining me. Good to see you. Yes, it's going to be fun, I can tell. Yeah. Um, I met Joanna in autonomy and, um, that was, geez, at least a couple years ago. And then recently I was able to attend. Joanna's been running a cool class called Drawing Nature In. And that is something I was able to attend recently. And it was a really cool event for me to, um, hang out with her on that. And so, I asked her to come on the show with me and to talk about natural law and art. And so we're here together to have this conversation. So um, thanks for joining me, Joanna. Appreciate it. Thanks for asking. I look forward to it. Um, all right. Now I'm trying to figure out how to make the screen so we could see both of us. And for some reason it doesn't want to work right. But <laughs> It was <laughs> working you- before. Yeah, I'll get it back on. But once you go ahead and start by telling us a little bit about um, the idea of this um, that you started, you and Woody originally started it, right? Drawing nature in. Yes. How did um, that come about? Well, it came about because Richard Grove uh, asked somebody to um, do an oil paint oil painting class on uh, late night Q and A. And, uh, Woody and I both said we would do it and we both happened to live in Colorado. So that was sort of, uh, synchronistic. So we started meeting, um, every month, every, well, it started out like once a month, I think. And then we decided to do something. So we started meeting every week and, um, talking about natural law and talking about art and, um, we decided to do something simple, which would be just to teach a simple, um, oil painting class. And we were going to do it at his mother's house because she has like a nice art studio and, um, it would be free to do it. And, um, so we were going to do, you know, we decided to do just a simple combination of, um, the basics of drawing with paint and uh, oil paint because oil paint can be very intimidating to people. And um, we started doing that, and then um, we were ge- we were basically giving away for free because we neither one of us have an audience. But then Rich- Richard came down on us for that, so we went off the air for like a month, and we did a painting together, a collaborative painting together, and we um, prayed and asked for guidance each- before each time we would start collaborating, and we just asked for um, direction about what we were supposed to do together. And somehow we just came up with the idea that we would do like an art salon where people would be encouraged to do art with us and we would discuss natural law. And um, we decided just to use the slides from Mark Passio's natural law seminar from, from Yale University in 2015, I think it was. We're just using the slides as our topics and um, we just invite people to come on and do art with us for three hours. On Monday night, we've been doing it for about um, I don't know, maybe two months now. Awesome, yeah. Like I found it um, not not just this last time with you guys, but in the past too. One thing I do is um, I hang out with my daughter sometimes on the phone, and we just draw. And it's like it's really cool the state of mind you get in. You're semi distracted and semi focused at the same time. And it's a it's a really cool state of mind, and I found myself getting into that, um, hanging out with you guys and doing that drawing class. So, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I guess my first question is like, okay, what originally got you inspired and excited about being an artist, or even being able to call yourself an artist? I'd be curious about the history of that. Well, um, I came from a very traumatic childhood. And I have natural artistic ability, so I just dove right into fantasy world of drawing and thinking about being somewhere else. 
And um, so they, my parents um, saw that and they encouraged it. They encouraged me to pursue it. So they sent me to different art camps and things like that. And I just kept doing it. And I was terrible in school. I don't know. I mean, back then, who knows what they would diagnose me with now. Um, I just was terrible in school. And I just drew pictures all the time. And that's pretty much how I got through because people, I guess the teachers could see that I had some talent. So I wasn't, you know, whatever they thought. I was dumb or whatever they thought. Um, so they passed me. I scraped by. And then I um, went to art school in New York city. Um, and, uh, studied commercial art, which was a short lived experience. Like after high school, that was like a college kind of course. Yeah. After high school, I went to uh, the school of visual arts in New York city mm-hmm. and I was from California. So it was a big move. I could get away from the parents and go try out life in the big apple. Which oh, in the wow. 80s was a lovely, it was in the 80s, um, it was so fantastic. It was a great place back then. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I went to live there and uh, went to art school. And I just never picked a um, career. I did, I did a different um, major every year that I was there. <laughs> but in the end, I became a fine artist. I mean, I... I I graduated with a degree in illustration, but I just couldn't um, really. That really wasn't what I was what I was supposed to do. So um, then I had an experience in 1989 where I got blocked because I just couldn't. I just couldn't keep doing. Trying to sell art commercially was not. Uh, didn't feed my spirit. So I went to this art this class called painting from the source, which was about intuitive painting. And that changed my whole life. Like I just started painting intuitively after that every day. I I just followed the directions from that class and I just left the city, moved upstate and just started painting all the time and had, and started having psychic experiences from it. Hmm. Interesting. So when you're talking about painting, um, oil painting, um, water color painting, all different it, types. No, it was it was pretty. It was medium? well at that time I was using um, temper paint, which was what they used in that class. Temper paint being that it's really cheap and um, washable, and you can't. It's opaque like gouache. Only it's the cheap version of gouache, and um, you can layer it. You know, if you don't like what you're doing, you can just cover it up because it's opaque. And, uh, and you can, so you can just, you can just, you don't have all the worries like, oh my God, this canvas costs so much money. Oh my God, this tube of paint costs 20 bucks. Oh my God. You know, you, it's not like that. All those worries are taken away. The materials are really cheap and, um, accessible, easy. You can't ruin anything by leaving the brushes covered with that temper paint because you just wash it off. And I just used that for a long time, and um, um, I started having psychic experiences almost immediately, which made me realize that um, there's something much more to art than I knew about up until that point. What kind of psychic experiences? How would you describe, um, like, um, knowing something you shouldn't know, seeing the future? How, how do you mean? Well, the first experience that I had was I was doing this painting in this barn up in Woodstock, New York, where I lived at that point. And um, it was this woman in this forest with a snake wrapped around her body. And I, I just asked her, I said, what's your name? And she t- and I got this name in my mind, right? Michelle came into my mind. And um, I'm painting away, and then the phone rang. And I answered the phone, and the person said, is Michelle there? Whoa. (laughs) I was like, whoa, this is really weird. It was from, And that was a a spiritual experience. I can remember that. That was about maybe 1990 or something like that, which is God knows how long ago, 29 years ago. I can remember that as if it was yesterday. Mm. So that to me is a spiritual experience, and it basically told me, that I was um, delving into 
other realms by the method that I was using. Because I wasn't starting with an idea. I was just basically putting um, paint on the paper and then seeing what I saw in it. That's really cool. And, um, yeah. Go ahead. I can relate because um, one thing I used to love to do is just make up music. And I've never been one of those people, like so many people that have that kind of natural talent for music, they can just pick up any instrument and start making it sound like what you heard on the radio. That's not me. (laughs) But I do um, have a lot of creativity, and I used to love playing with my guitar and just kind of making up tunes or making up songs. And my way of going about it was to make it up as we went along. And I had a friend who liked to do that too. And so we would just sit down and we would just try to record something or make it up right in that moment. And we had all these interesting experiences where some of the words and things that came out of those little impromptu meetings were like kind of prophetic. And like, we'd listen to them later and be like, Whoa, that kind of tells the story of what happened in a weird way. And, um, I had some of those interesting experiences and, um, I've, I've described it as like, I remember for a while I used to call it the knock when something interesting happens, like you're saying where like you got the phone call and like, it's like too, too much of a coincidence to just be a coincidence. And if only you had one of those in your life, then maybe we would just chalk it up as a coincidence, but I've had lots of them. And so have other people I've talked to. So I I think that's pretty exciting that, you know, you're um, also, you were experiencing that kind of like spiritual kind of um, connection with something deeper going on. So how did that tie into when you started looking into natural law and um, where your life was at at that point? Well, um, how that all came about, it it, it actually, in retrospect, I can see that it was uh, connected. But at the time, I didn't know that it was connected. Um, in a way, the artwork kind of opened me up to other realms, right? So, um, like I said, I had this, I came from this extremely dark place, and then I myself pursued darkness for quite some time. But it got to a point where it was just too horrible. Um, and so I had to find something else. And so, um, what I ended up stumbling upon happened to be natural law, although I didn't realize it at the time. Um, It was a way to get back into alignment with natural law by um, finding access to the creator and then living morally, like rectifying, by rectifying past mistakes and um, and then, then being of service to other people. So that was a long process, but, um, well, I I basically, I I took that class, tapped into those energies, and within two years, I was on this other path to the light. So I was on a path in the dark for, like, probably 20, the first 25 years of my life or so, or 29 years, and then I took that intuitive painting class where I started painting differently, and then within a couple of years, I was on a path to the light, which was in alignment with natural law. And I experienced natural law. Like once I had um, made reparations for the harms I had caused people over the years, I literally was placed on a road where, you know, only good things happened to me. I mean, you know, life happens, different things happen that are uh, inescapable, but I was definitely experiencing that thing I had heard about where, you know, you're always in the right place at the right time. And, um, I would always have these great opportunities and all I had to do was just keep living by natural law. If that makes sense. And, um, and I continue to do my artwork, of course. Was there like at that point when you took that class and started, like, as you're saying, coming toward, you know, finding the light, was there something that you had to bump up against yourself you know, to like a rock bottom kind of situation that, you know, what was it that really um, made you realize like things are wrong? I need to change or I'm oh, wrong. Just, everything sucked. I just, mean, it all uh, emotions. Is that what you, yeah. Oh yeah. Think, emotions and, and my, you know, I was in a, t- in a relationship that 
I think would have worked if I had been in a different place at the time, but I just, I didn't like it. And so I left and caused a lot of drama. And, um, I mean, I was doing things that I think people think are commonplace now, which is basically trying to get mine, um, using people, uh, gossiping, um, and, you know, being dishonest, um, thinking, not thinking about other people, making promises that I didn't keep, stuff like that. It all brought me to a horrible rock bottom, like you said, you know, and, um, I had to find a different way to live, but I didn't, I wasn't raised by people who kind of knew morality, really. I mean, maybe they theorized, they theorized it, but they didn't really not that they were especially bad or anything, but I think they're just products of not the not time. religious, huh? Uh uh-uh. uh no 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 religion no. in your family. Okay. No, they weren't religious. I mean, my mom came from a religious household in New York, but she didn't bring any of it with her into her marriage to my dad. It was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a weird. I don't. I mean, I look back at them and I think to myself, what the heck were they thinking? I mean, I think they just were, um, they were very political. They were into politics. They were very left politics. But back then, that was different than it is now. You know, they've twisted it now. But, I mean, it was, it was fairly twisted. They, they like to, um, theorize about how if our world leaders would only do as they wish they would do, things would be great and everybody would be happy. You know, I think we're still, we're still doing that to a certain extent. But, um, they like to argue about stuff, but they, they themselves, like my mom, I think was terrified of financial insecurity. Um, my dad, uh, he was a drinker, so things were chaotic, as I said. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, we had some dysfunction going on in my household as well. And, um, what's interesting is, you know, if it's not just for the stuff around the house, then it's school and other um, aspects of our society that kind of like traumatize us. And then we spend years and years trying to sort it all out and figure out what got me so, you know, screwed up, you know, and, and then you start, you know, spending the next part of your life sorting it out and then feeling better and working on a better path. And it's good to hear that you found, you know, like you feel like you're more aligned with what you want to be and working in that direction. I mean, I'm excited to see, um, what you're doing these days, um, you know, having like a regular show and creating a place where people can come show up and learn or um, share art and creativity. How do you see as art being part of the solution with the problems, you know, we have in the world? Because oh I do personally, God. I'm curious it's to see. It's so how. huge. I think it would, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with it. I think art is probably one of the most powerful things that we individually have and it's been totally taken from us like um if we didn't have tv now we'd still be doing people would still be doing art because people were doing art um like uh, jonathan mentioned the other day about the the elite used to have these giant halls that they would invite an artist of the day to come and do a giant painting in their hall. And then they would sit in front of the painting and have an altered experience in front of the painting. So they know about these images and they've just replaced our personal images with their images through the media. But before, you know, there was, were these tools. That's what counted in the culture was the artists would create the world that people saw or thought about with their images. And I mean, that's still available to each and every one of us today. Like we could create our own imagery of our own personal connection with our creator, whatever that is for each person, which, which would be like a rock solid internal experience that we would never have to deviate from. And the, the um, experience of doing art would foster that but but they really did a number on people because you know people now think of the product and whether you can sell the product as being what's important 
Whereas when, when the real power in art is the process of doing it. It doesn't really matter what the product is. The product is a totally different thing. It's like the shell of the experience that you had. And yeah, you can, you know, do stuff with it, give it away or sell it or do whatever you want with it. But the, but the point of it is that the process of doing art is an intimate conversation with the creator because you are basically mimicking the creator. You're, you're being a creator yourself when you're, when you're making something. Oh, I love that intimate conversation with the creator. That's that, that really hits home for me. I've, I've felt this feeling so many times, like it's like a um, little shivers coming up your spine, you know, or um, even not necessarily doing art. I have experienced it, but even just walking um, through nature and being in a certain type of um, wavelength, I guess you could say a certain place in the mind where there's um just kind of things showing up. And then I'm like, wait, where'd those thoughts come from? Is that the trees talking to me or what? You know, and I've experienced that, um, like, like we were describing when you really get zoned into working on something artistic while you're in that flow, that state, um, things just kind of show up in your mind. You get different feelings or thoughts, you know, those, Oh wow moments happen. And so, um, I think that's a fantastic way to, um, encourage other people to do art. And then, like, if you're, if you approach it the way you're describing, um, not so, not so focused on the outcome, then you can have a lot more fun doing it because you're not, like, usually what holds people back, right? Like, oh, I'm no good at it. It's never going to be any good, right? Like, those, those defeating thoughts, you know. Are, oh, I don't, I, I don't have the right back, materials. Right? I don't have yeah. the right materials. Oh, I can't, you know. No, I mean, you just pick up whatever you have on hand. And you can just doodle. Even doodling is enough. If you, even if you doodle, like, and, and I mean, then you can even start to, um, <clears throat> take your doodles and focus on them and see what they're trying to tell you. I mean, I, that's, that happened to me in 2011. I started to doodle because I was bored, uh, with what I was doing and I was moving into something else and, and then I discovered that from doodling, I could actually do psychic readings from the mm. drawings. I've actually, I actually do do that now, but it, it's That's not as cool. much. I don't do it like a full time because again, you don't, I don't want to make this into like a career because if I make it into, if I attach it to the monetary system, for me, it real, it will block me. I've found probably because the monetary system is so evil. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tricky thing. Um, a lot of people I have discussions with wrestle with that problem, and that's something that we, you and I have both, um, part of why we joined Autonomy. I'd be kind of curious to see, hear you talk a little bit about um, Autonomy. Speaking of Richard Grove, I think he he might have been the person that filmed that natural law uh, or recorded it with Mark Passio that impressed you so much and also impressed me. But um, like I've I've got a lot from Richard Grove's work too, and being in autonomy. And here's all these people that are working on this idea of um, working towards freedom and personal autonomy. And how do we do that in a system that is totally ruled by this evil, uh, money grubbing, you know, um, sorcery type of money? You know, um, it's a tricky balance. So yeah, I'd be kind of curious to hear what you've learned through autonomy and how that, you know, affects, affects your point of view. Well, I mean, I feel very fortunate that I have a, I'm working for someone else, you know, that, I mean, you know, for a long time I didn't understand the monetary system, but now that I understand that it's a Ponzi scheme that, you know, with the, the, the fact that we have interest that's being skimmed off of every dollar that's printed, that's what makes it evil. So there's no way of using this monetary system for good, really, um, except to um, tithe. I do try to tithe 10% of my income because then, then what I'm saying is I'm not in the system and I'm trying to help people who are um, do, putting the work out, putting the word out about truth, and I'm kind of defying the monetary system, which is one of um, lack and uh, greed, and I'm saying, okay, I'm just going to trust that this that this is just a system that the creator is using right now, and I'm paid by the creator, so I'm not going to 
buy into this system. But at the same time, that's why I'm glad that I did get a get work, you know, for Andy because you know then I can just w- make my interactions in the monetary system with working for someone else. And then I can do my work, and I can decide if I'm going to charge for it or not. Um, and then I can barter too. Like I, I mean, I'm very interested in barter, barter currency, um, and eventually just getting back to sharing. You know, which is what I imagine we probably did before we were the alien human hybrid that we currently are. <laughs> I'm guessing. You know, when we were when we were living in nature. Because looking at nature, you know, you see nature just gives gives you everything you need. Um, it gives and it gives more. It gives abundance. It's just that, you know, we've been living in the civilization for so long. It might be difficult for a lot of people to give that up. But, um, so yeah, autonomy for me was um, what was great about it was the people in the community that I got to talk to and stuff. And and it helped me, you know, because I have that strong relationship with the creator, but I could definitely feel the peer pressure to get the chat. And I was concerned that I might actually succumb to that peer pressure. But having that community of people that I could talk to, you know, it was just so fantastic because every day I would, you know, come back and, say what horrible things happened to me out there in the world and I was able to get support and so then I just stuck um, I was able to stick with my inclination to stay a pure blood um, but I mean in terms of like um, work you know I mean I already know to be a super good employee and be loyal and work extra hard and be honest and show up on time and go the extra mile and give more than you receive. I know I knew all that, but the thing about it was that I what I've noticed and you may have noticed this um if you do that now in the mainstream, they'll just take advantage of you. It's not a value that is um is looked upon anymore uh as value. Yeah, it Unless does seem you have your own business. It does seem like in many ways, the um, odds are stacked against anyone who wants to do things in an honest, caring way. And that, um, but that being said, I have seen honest people that manage to do well or fairly well for themselves. And um, I agree with you on the one hand that the monetary system is um, evil in its current form. Um, nevertheless, we still have to survive. And um, if we want to get the word out about truth and freedom, what I kept bumping up against, if if I want to be effective at that, I have to have the tools to do that, you know, to reach people, to get out there, which means being able to, like, buy a microphone or, you know, get this computer working, all these things. So it does take funds. And, you know, um, we, you know, I've learned a lot from, my, the community I've met online that there's a lot of ways we can start um, trading with each other and providing value online or um, in person. And then um, just kind of like work more within the field of people that are into freedom too. But um, anyway, that's, that's a great topic to go on more about, but I, I got a little waylaid because I'm distracted because I started thinking about what you were talking about and I'm curious now, like what were the things that I, I get the feeling you're always kind of a skeptical person, right? Like, but what were the things that actually drove you? Cause I could tell you don't want to be part of government. We, you know, we agree on a lot of these things that we don't want to be part of a lot of the systems of society. What were the things that really woke you up to how, how um, sinister the problems are in the world? Are, were there specific events or, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I know it was before 2020 when you realized there were problems, right? Yeah, I had a friend, a close friend who died and, um, he worked for Cantor Fitzgerald at, in the World Trade Center and he died at 9-11. So that. Oh wow. Made me wake so up. So from day one, abruptly. were you asking questions or did it take a while to sink in? Well, I was in New York at the time. I was, and I was upstate New York, but, um, the weird thing was we had had a funeral on September 10th. And everybody was in town for the funeral. 
And um, it was like a big deal, the guy who passed away. And so then the next day was September 11th. And so wow. everybody was in town. And and people came up from the city and brought this news. It, it was just – it was so intense. It was so weird. And I thought – and I, I didn't have TV at the time. And so I saw everything just the first time on a TV in a uh, coffee shop where I had just gone out from work to go get a cup of coffee at 8 o'clock in the morning. And um, so I saw everything, you know, the fresh, accurate footage of what went down. And, uh, and then I saw it change. Like I saw them change it because I wasn't watching it all day long every day. I saw it change and I, and I was like, what the hell? And then also that was the same year that, um, that Al Gore got the broken Chad voting nightmare thing. Mm, Yeah, I remember that well. And everybody, everybody, like I watched how, how everybody suddenly who everybody had been like, they weren't happy with George W. Bush at all. They were fighting it, and then suddenly after 9-11, everybody was like, yes, they were all behind Bush, go and kick some ass in Iraq or whatever. And I was like, wow, that's really, uh, that was convenient. Boy, that's... Yeah, his approval rating went up through the roof at that time. All of a sudden, everybody had... You know, little American flags on their yeah. windows. I was noticing yeah. everywhere I drove. I'm like, all of a sudden, everybody is so patriotic. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I definitely thought that I just, I don't know. I mean, I think I probably already had been thinking things before, but it wasn't, like, coming together in any cohesive Because I didn't even know back then. Remember, I think Oklahoma City was long before that, and I remember thinking that, Really? That really happened? Of course, now we know that guy was MK Ultra, blah, blah. C- you know, his dad was in the CIA or whatever. Um, it was a PSYOP. We know all this now. But at the time, you know, I think I thought that, but I, or I thought something was weird, but it, it wasn't like 9-11 where it was just so crazy. It was so crazy. And, um, so then I just started digging. I didn't actually find much, though. I couldn't really find anything. Um, it took years. It took until 2015 when someone, I was selling a painting to someone in Boulder and she said, you got to watch Mark Passio. You're going to really like him. And that was the, that was like, I went home, I checked him out and I was like, oh my God, this is it. And I just, I just started watching. I just would do, I would, I was working at Home Depot at the time. It's totally crazy. And I would, I think Lawrence has worked at Home Depot. Um, I would go on my break and sit there and listen to Passio for like half an hour while I was eating lunch. And then I would go back out on the floor. Oh my God. It was nuts. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, I basically just absorbed everything because, because I could relate to natural law. I could relate to that's what I, how I'd been living for so long. It wasn't called that, but, um, I thought, well, if, if that, if this is how he, you know, sees things through this lens that I'm, I can pretty much trust everything he says. I did do the research. Um, and I also had an experience with when he had Jay Parker on because I had known someone in Woodstock who claimed in the eighties or or the nineties in the nineties, somebody in Woodstock had claimed that her kids were being satanically ritually abused in Connecticut somewhere. And we all thought she was insane but once he had Jay Parker on and I heard Jay's story, I was like, oh my God, that was true. You know, I mean, it was, it was very, very upsetting because that person, the mother of those kids died of cancer and she asked me to, um, take care of her daughters who were like, you know, teenagers by that point. And I, I, I was like, I can't help these kids, you know, but it was just this huge realization that I should have believed her and could have maybe helped them. I mean, I don't think I could have helped them, but it was quite a shock. There was a lot that went, came down, um, from watching, seeing Passio's work. And I mean, I had tried, I had tried other things. Like I had become a Republican to try and get, um, Ron Paul elected, you know, 
mm-hmm. on the way up on the way to hearing Passio's work. I tried different things, but I could never get a hold of the truth of what was going on. I was still buying into the narrative. But yeah, I remember. Um, I think I think it was when Obama got ele- elected. And I still had hope, you know, for change. I remember I know. looking I back at that, that later, like I part of me knew that was stupid, but I remember kind of like when he got elected, we're like, yeah, you know, yeah. you right. know, and so I was still pretty in the dark at that point. But, you know, it's weird how you're kind of going down these different roads of research, you know, and you watch this video here and then you get in on this researcher. And, and for me, and I think you and quite a few other people I've talked to, when we hit Mark Passio's work, it kind of like, boom, all this stuff came together. And I think where you and I have in common on that is part of what did that for me was the spiritual aspect of it. Like I didn't really hear, like I love Larkin Rose, for instance, he's like to me, one of the most amazing speakers and the way he puts things and explains freedom. Like no one else can really put words together like he can to explain freedom. But, um, so many of those speakers don't ever bring up the spiritual aspect. And Mark Passio was the only one that I really came across that was doing that. And I had, ever since I left my Christian roots, I still always felt a hole in my life where that's, that spirituality used to be. And I tried to replace it with nature. And I think that was the best thing I could do. I now call nature the living Bible, you know, and, and that's why I have the tree of life behind me. So um, then that's kind of the next subject I wanted to bring up for you. Cause you know, like your whole um, thing is bringing nature and combining that with art. So I'm um, really curious to see, you know, what else you have to say about nature and how nature inspired you and how you uh, wanted to bring that in. Oh, uh, well, um, nature is to me like the most important thing I, I have as- access to. Um, and I don't really have much access to it right now, actually, to be perfectly honest. I mean, where I live right now. Well, you're in Colorado, right? I am, but I'm not. I'm down in the. I'm down in the city, and um, oh, okay. it's hard to get up in the mountains, especially if I am having trouble driving. Driving right now, I mean, I have nature like right out the back door in a certain way, but it's very polluted. It's very polluted, you know. Mm. Um, Plus, we, you know, we, we, I haven't seen many songbirds. I just saw a sparrow this morning and I was like, wow, a sparrow, my God. Um, we do have eagles. That's one thing we have here, which is amazing. Bald eagles and golden eagles. But, um, yeah, I mean, where I live, it's pretty hardcore desolate in a way. Um, I mean, where I'm living in New York was a whole other story because it's totally green, green and lush there. Um, and I do miss that, but I, I mean, I could never go back there probably now cause it's just too crazy now there on that East mm. coast, um, on the coast. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, it's pretty okay here, but, but nature. Yeah. I mean, um, just, just simple, the simple, like just, I don't know, a flower, a tree, uh, just looking at it, just going outside and looking at nature, um, and then during the whole pandemic thing, how nature was fine. Like nature was doing fine. I mean, it's not doing fine in the sense that, you know, I know that it's being affected by chemtrails. I know it's being affected by everything that we're doing, but nature just accommodates whatever is going on. It, it continues to grow and be as lush as it can be with whatever is going on. And it doesn't really know probably what's going on. You know what I mean? So just to see birds and other animals just doing fine while we were all flipping out, I just thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, but yeah, nature to me, it's just, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It is like a spiritual entity that is right there. And it, and it's, um, I don't know. I just, how do I explain it? I wish I had better words to explain it, but. I just feel like when I go in nature, sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes it, it's just overwhelming to me how intense I feel when I'm, when I'm in the woods or in the, in my case right now, it'd be on the bike path or, um, walking out back behind my house. Um, 
just seeing any anything trees or grass or water it just it just makes me feel like this is really what is supposed to be here not all of the stuff we create you know i feel like we we are just constantly being torn because of some of our our origins our our complicated origins we're constantly um trying to shun nature trying to create our own thing but nature is our truth our true self oh if that makes sense does that make sense i don't know well like think about when you when you look in a river or when you look in the water and you see that reflection you know and um i love how water too like you you could chop chop at it with your hand you know it just doesn't give a crap you know it's kind of like you're saying you know we're all flipping out and the birds are like you know <laughs> just going about their business right like you know you can't you can't destroy water you know like you can't there's nature is um a powerful force and and there's so much uh, mystery within it. And it's occurred to me, like with art, like almost all art always draws from nature. Like if someone's going to write a poem, how are you going to describe something um, like contrast without using aspects of nature? You know, if you're trying to think of a metaphor, you know, like what else could you use but nature? I mean, stories. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like the most basic um, thing we have around us to understand reality. You know, it's like, um, I really think like we're supposed to be here more like, um, people to protect and care for nature. But, you know, what happened in, in ancient history to create this situation where we're like coming from this point of view that we're here to devour it and that's here to feed us? You know, I don't know. It's, it's a scary situation, but, um, you know, it can get to you, all the stuff you realize, all the difficult things about the world. I guess I was going to kind of lead from there, like, maybe trying to help people out with how, how we can use art to deal with all the friggin' problems that we're dealing with, you know, and the problems in the world and stuff. Well, like, I mean, the reason we called our our mystery school Drawing Nature In was because this we what I feel like is missing now is the is nature within ourselves like we we we're in our heads all the time i mean um and we're 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 separated from our hearts we're separated from the principle of care so um to draw nature in would be to sink deeply into that care about the truth of what is here what we're really doing here um which you know Right, I agree with you. We're supposed to be stewards of this earth. Um, but we could start with just being kind to one another and helpful to one another. That would be the first place to start, you know, these days. Just to get back to that, get back to the community. Um, you know, they did a great job of dividing us and destroying communities in this last run of things that they were up to. To just get back to that. And that, and, and so, yeah, so to me, um, art is a form of meditation where I can go deeply into nature. Nature is right here, right here, right here. Nature. Yes, there's nature outside, but there's nature right here, and I can go into it um, if I do art. I feel and music, like you said, I'm not a musician, so I don't, I don't do do it. But I, I mean, I have. I when I did my master's degree, it was integrated electronic art masters, and I did music. And I had that same kind of experience. I was able to get in the zone and do all kinds of crazy stuff with music and visual art and video and all kinds of things. It doesn't matter what the medium is. Um, what matters is that I try to go sink down into my heart and tune in to the nature uh, within me and without, without and then create something. And... Um, if we could get back to that, I think we could, first of all, like if you, if you're tuned in to your heart, there's no way I don't think you would go get the jab. If you were, you know, I mean, yeah, peer pressure is very strong and I know someone in California who, um, really was strong for a long time and then she just like walked into a jab clinic and got jabbed and called me up and said, I got jabbed and I was like, oh my God. So to me, the the problem with that would be a lack of community 
Um, so the combination of getting back into yourself through art or music or, you know, there's so many other ways to cooking is a way, but I mean, I think that's a little bit, um, separated from what I'm talking about. And then getting into community, getting into the freedom community in your area or starting a freedom community and getting together with other people. I think these are kind of inseparable in a way, you know, I mean, I don't want to be, I'm not, I am an extrovert, so I'm not the type of person who's going to just sit in my house and do art all day long. I would sit there and do art and then I would go out into the world and be with my community and talk with them and hang with them and maybe give my art to them, you know, give gifts, give it away. Here, this is what I did. I, I mean, somebody's birthday is coming up and I whip up a painting for them, you know, because I mean, I, that's what I would do. I'm not going to buy something for someone. No way. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mm-hmm. participate in that. You know, there really isn't anything out there that I can think of that's that I could give to someone that would represent my feeling for them. I would, you know, I would I've always like kind of been sort of um, enamored with the stories of native tribes where you can imagine um, like everybody working, you know, in the village on preparing for like the big fire, you know, when people are going to do the dance, like the, whether it's the bear dance or whatever it's going to be, you know, and you know, they would make these um, costumes, right, and dance around them. All tribes all over the world, in different cultures, have done these same. It's like a natural process, like dress up like some aspect of nature. Maybe it's the changing of seasons and acting out emotions and feelings and archetypal things. And um, you know, there would be this excitement of the whole community, you know, leading up to this creative expression. I think dancing is something I've recently. Um, starting to get involved with some opportunities to dance in my whole life. I've never been someone who always felt like I couldn't really dance. I didn't know how to dance, you know? And so now I'm trying to stretch myself out a little bit in that way and learn, you know, learn how to move my body in different ways. And, and it's like, um, it's pretty exciting, you know, um, expressing yourself through, through your physical form and putting it out onto some sort of medium, whether it's paper or um, singing or humming, you know, just anything that people do, it makes a huge difference. Even just humming at work, you know, the old humming at work, it makes it a little better, right? You know? So, um, yeah, I guess, you know, we got um, a good 10 minutes left here in our hour. I think, you know, it'd be cool to kind of talk about some of the things you're working on and how, you know, like how we can encourage other people to um, get in that zone, you know, well, so I how, didn't, how would you recommend someone get started? I, yeah, I didn't mention this and this is kind of important. The reason that we in our school, um, start out with fundamentals is because if you know how to draw using your eye hand coordination, then when you go to approach, um, an intuitive painting or something like that, you see more because you've been trained. Your eyes been trained to see more. So that's what in our in our school. What we do is we teach the fundamentals of drawing and painting, and then then we teach intuitive painting, which will lead you to whatever your path is. You know, I believe I believe you can find whatever it is you're looking for if you will tap into that source. So um, that is the the main reason that Woody and I started that school. Um, and, uh, what we're working on right now in the, um, podcast that we're doing on Monday night is we're, we're doing a big show in Pueblo, Colorado in July with a guy that we, that was, uh, on Richard Grove's list, but he didn't do autonomy. Um, and Richard told me about him when I first had my first call with him. Um, and I called the guy up and he's a truther like me. And so he decided to do a truth show. And, um, so we're, he's got an enormous gallery in Pueblo and, um, we're, we're working on pieces for that show right now while we're, uh, doing our 
discussing natural law because, I mean, I, I didn't get into this. I mean, these are the kinds of topics you could talk about forever, but when you um, do art and talk, the art is much better because it's not your, your, your left brain is um, busy talking and your right brain is free. And I believe your right brain is connected to your subconscious. So you can, you take all these risks that you wouldn't normally take if you have your whole mind present. So we talk about natural law, which is our favorite topic and we do art. And so the art just like is way beyond what we would normally be able to get accomplished in a three hour stint. And so, yeah, that's what I'm working. I'm currently working on right now are pieces for that show. And what I'm doing is I'm taking um, 12 inalienable rights and I made them into symbols. I made the letters into symbols. So here's, here's one center point yeah. and this and the um it's on the flower of life yeah i use the flower of life on all of them yeah. and the you see the symbol in the center and this one this sigil it's a sigil which is made of um the letters of the phrase which is that i have the inalienable right to keep the fruit of my labor and it's embedded in this flower of life pattern and then I'm going to, uh, I made this sculpture to go around it. Cool. And I'm basically, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird, this one particularly is weird. This is a really weird one. It's going to, I'm going to paint it. It's basically made of cardboard and, uh, paper clay. It's really strange. I would never make something like, I mean, I, this is so outside. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like, I don't even know who's making it anymore. These you're, things. You're, you're channeling something I feel like from another I always, dimension. I, I always feel that way. You know, I just tried to do something fun that wasn't going to bother me because, you know, that I wasn't going to get too perfectionistic over. Oh my God, the hand is, you know, I didn't want to get into that. I just want to have fun. Yeah. And not think about it because that's the whole point. Really. You know, I think is to just have fun and create whatever. And, and it's not even the product that is important. What's important is the process that, that I was in when I was making them. And, um, and that's, that's going to be pretty hard for people, I think, to, um, accept because we're so product oriented and we're so, we're living in fear of financial insecurity all the time. And so we don't want to spend any time on anything that's not going to, you know, potentially bring us some cash, right? I mean, I think that's pretty much, I think I can say that. Yeah, it's a pretty common thing, you know. Um, you know, I always tell the story of a high school class where the teacher had a poster on the wall that had this three-car garage, and it said, justification for education. You know, and that just drove me nuts, and it made me realize that, what they're teaching here, what they're selling isn't really what, what I'm out for in this life. You know, I'm out for an experience, you know, I'm, I'm for the, um, not just the materialistic world, you know, I mean, that's just what we're seeing on the outside. That's really not the main, um, game that's going on here. And I was pretty aware of that at a young age in high school. And, um, you know, just keep coming back to it in life. You know, you try to ignore it and, it's just going to show up again, you know, in the, in problems. If you don't, um, start finding a way to find what you're really here for and what, what's in your heart. Right. And I think what you're saying is one way to get at that information is to focus on something artistic, some artistic expression. And when you get in that zone and when you focus, you start, um, it just starts showing up, right. You start finding the answers or you start discovering, yeah, I mean, and the other thing I failed to mention, there's so many things I didn't bring up in it, and I just can't believe it, but whatever, it's only an hour, um, is in when you're learning to draw, you draw from nature. You draw flowers, you draw your hand, you draw a crumpled up piece of paper, but a lot of times you can just go outside and draw outside, and um, and then you really are looking closely at nature, and that's amazing. It's an amazing experience. When you look closely at nature, it's like, what 
what was I worried about? It's like, shouldn't, shouldn't I be doing this more often, looking closely at nature? Because nature is so amazing. Every, the closer you look and the harder you look, the more amazing it is. And, um, so when, when you're, when you have that experience, when I have the experience of where, when I'm actually drawing from nature, I'm, I'm just, I'm pulling that into myself. I'm pulling that energy of nature into myself. And it has long-term benefits that, um, you know, you may not experience in the moment, but you'll experience it later. Like, you know, you'll have an intuitive thought that you normally wouldn't have, or you, you'll be quieter. You'll be mentally quieter than normal. And that mental quietness will allow you to hear the still small voice within which is telling you, you know, the truth about what you're, what, what you need to do next or whatever. And I, I just think we just, um, get so separated from that in this culture. So. Well, I still have here my picture from. Oh yeah, this day. is a good one too. It needs a lot more color, but this was my, um, drawing in, drawing nature in. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah. And are you like... telling me you never, you never do art? You do art. You're definitely. I, I doodle constantly. Like, okay, this is my little piece of paper under my pen. You know, it's like. Oh yeah, this is amazing. You know, I'm constantly doodling, and I used to get in trouble in school because I realized, kind of like you're saying, I could listen a lot better if I was drawing. And like, um, I love drawing. When I do that, when I doodle, I generally do like mountains and um, suns and moons and. I try to draw trees. I constantly try to draw trees, but <laughs> I still need a lot of work on my trees. But I really enjoy it. And sometimes I look through my notes, and there's all these cool doodles. And it, what's weird is the little doodles help me remember things from the notes too. I'll like associate my mind with that little screwed up picture of a tree I did next to a conversation I had with Joanne and Woody or something. You know what I mean? And it'll it'll like really stick it in my head. So, I mean, I always draw, but, you know, like, I think chatting with you and, and coming to your class last week was a good recommendation, that reminder that I need to do it, like, as a regular thing more often. And I really miss playing my, my guitar, and I've been trying to kick myself and get back on that, too. So, I guess this right now is a good um, time to encourage anybody out there to um, work on your artistic skills or your whatever it is that you need to be working on, you know, you know, you, the listener know. So yeah. Um, any other recommendation or, um, well, I mean, conclusions you want to throw out there? Sure. I mean, the thing is, is to try to get someone to do it. Um, it, 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 you can use, uh, drawing for manifestation as well. If you get, if you get into it, you can use it to manifest. Um, and you, so, I mean, the thing is, I always feel like I have to sell it to some, to people, but the thing is, is that it's not just making pretty pictures. It really is tapping into the truth of your heart and you can use the visual imagery as part of the concentration tool that people would need in order to manifest things that they want in their lives. So these, these are a certain type of skill that has been kind of eradicated from our learning our education system. So I just encourage people to get into it. What about someone who says, Oh, you know, I'm no good at drawing. I'm no good at art. You know, how, how does someone get started? What would you recommend? Well, I would, that? I would say use your left hand, get some, get some paint and use your left hand or get some color and use your left hand because your left hand is connected to your right brain, which is connected to your subconscious and it will just uh, erase all those negative thoughts, and, and you can just enjoy yourself. Then once you've done a bit, once you've put a bunch of stuff on paper, then you can switch back to your right hand and use your right hand to, um, you know, finesse it. But the, huh. right, the right hand is only for detail. Wow, that's a cool idea. I've never really heard anybody. You know, I just read recently that if you breathe through your left nostril, that's supposed to be lighting up your right brain too. So maybe draw with your left hand and breathe through your left nostril. But you know, here's another game I've always played with my kids. We just get two colors of pen or two colors of highlighter and just start with a blank paper and have someone just make a squiggle 
and then the other person kind of like adds something to it, and then you hand it back and forth, and you keep adding stuff, and something really cool comes out of it every time. And it's like a great game to play with kids if you got kids and you don't feel like you're good at drawing. You don't have to be good at drawing. It's just making squiggles and little eyeballs or whatever comes into your head. And just draw whatever, hand it to the other person and go back and forth and you'll be amazed, you know, what, what will come out of it, you know? Exactly. And just don't, don't do it just one time. Do it every day for, you know, two weeks and see. Then, then you can make an assessment. Right on. Well, thanks so much for coming today, Joanna, and bringing, bringing your light and your inspiration for people. I recommend people check out drawingnaturein.com. And, um, Monday night, you can join Joanna and Woody and, um, make something new, get inspired. So, um, I guess they can find great. how to get to the class through Drawing Nature In, right? Yes, they can. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, yeah, I'm going to try to, try to make it again next Monday if I can. That would be great. We'd love to have you. Because I enjoyed it. So, yeah. Right on. Well, I'm looking forward to going and getting myself some dinner now, so we'll call it a night, and um, hopefully we'll we'll get you on another time, but it's been a great talk. Thanks, Joanna. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a great night. You too. All right. Let's see if I can push the right button. <laughs> Another